Thank you, Doug. Well, this morning we're going to continue in our study of the Gospel of John, and this morning we come to the very end of John chapter 9. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I would invite you to turn to John chapter 9, and we'll be looking at verses 35 through 41. If you're watching by live stream this morning and you don't have a Bible in your home, that's okay. You can easily follow along with what I'm going to share with you. Most of the verses this morning will be on the screen. But John chapter 9, as I have shared with you, breaks down into four parts, and we are in part four this morning of the four parts. And I realize that on any particular Sunday, we have people here who are visiting with us, and I always want to be very sensitive to that. I don't want you to feel like you um, don't know how we got to where we're at or what was preached the last couple of weeks. So let me very briefly just bring us up to date so we are all on the same page as we come to this passage this morning. John chapter 9 is about a great miracle that took place. Jesus finds in the temple a man who was blind, born blind, been in darkness his whole life, most likely begging there in the temple in order to make a living. And Jesus comes to him, and with mud he anoints his eyes and tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the Bible says that he went and washed and came back seeing. And when it says that he came back seeing, it means that he had perfect vision. So he went from spending his entire life in total darkness to having perfect vision, a great miracle. Then in part two, we saw that the people bring this healed man to the Pharisees because they knew the Pharisees opposed Jesus. And so they bring this man who has been healed, and the Pharisees are upset that Jesus healed on the Sabbath, and they ask this man, how? How were you given sight? And he said, well, this man named Jesus, he made mud, put them on my put it on my eyes, I went and washed, and now I see. And they said, well, who do you think this man is? And he said, I think he's a prophet of God. Well, then the Pharisees wondered if he was really born blind. And so they call for his parents to come, and his parents are brought before the Pharisees, and his parents are totally intimidated by the Pharisees. And the Pharisees say to them, was, is this your son, and, when he, and was he born blind? And how was he given his sight? And they say, well, we know this is our son. We know he was born blind, but how he sees now, we don't know, which was not true. It is very likely that their son told them how he got his sight, but they are afraid to say that it was Jesus. In verse 22 of chapter 9, it says his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. They were afraid that the Jews might cast them out of the synagogue, and so they are afraid to say that it was Jesus who brought about this healing. And then last week, in part 3, we saw that this man who probably because he had begged his whole life, who had been born blind, that he probably had very little education. He was a very simple man. 
and he gives this great sermon to the Pharisees. He gives a sermon that the Pharisees can't refute. And he says to them, we know this, you know this, that God only listens to people who do his will and who worship him. And we know that a miracle like this has never, ever been done before. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And the Pharisees don't know what to say. His logic and his reason as this simple man were so profound, they couldn't respond. And so instead they get angry and they physically cast him out of the synagogue. Well, that brings us to our passage this morning. Let me read for you John 9, verses 35 through 41. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Well, as I mentioned to you, this is the fourth of four parts of John chapter 9. And our first point this morning is Jesus returns to the healed man. John chapter 9 reminds us that there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who have had their spiritual eyes opened by Christ and those who have chosen to remain spiritually blind. When you get right down to it, if you want to get down to the irreducible minimum, two kinds of people. Those who have come to Christ and have had their spiritual eyes opened and those who refuse to come, who refuse to believe and remain spiritually blind. And this is a good place to remind all of us that all of us, every single person here at one time was spiritually blind. We are born spiritually blind. And Satan, who the Bible calls the God of this age, does everything that he possibly can to keep you spiritually blind. He wants to do everything he possibly can to blind you to the beauty of Christ and to the glory of the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verses 3 and 4, it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's what Satan wants. It's what he always wants, to keep you from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. However, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, by the message of the gospel. Some, some receive Christ as Savior and their spiritual eyes are opened. Others, through determined, 
consistent unbelief, refuse to believe the gospel. They refuse to receive Christ as Savior, and their spiritual eyes remain closed. And so we have these two groups always around us, those whose spiritual eyes have been miraculously opened and those whose spiritual eyes remain blinded. Now, the man who had been born physically blind, who had been healed by Jesus, now has his spiritual eyes opened. In verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? First of all, I want you to notice that Jesus finds him. When Jesus came to the temple originally, it was Jesus who found this man. And here, when Jesus finds out this man has been cast out, it is Jesus who goes to him. It reminds us of that great verse in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 that Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus came to seek and to save. But I want you to notice the powerful question that he asked this man. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe that the Son of Man is the Messiah? Do you believe he's the Son of God? Do you believe that he is the Savior who is to come into the world that the prophets foretold? In the Baker New Testament commentary, it has this wonderful explanation of how powerful this question is. It says, Jesus' question is really asking, do you rely entirely for life and death on the Son of Man? Do you trust him? Do you entrust your whole life to him? And that's what Jesus is asking. Will you rely on Jesus entirely for life and for death? Do you trust him? Will you entrust your entire life to him? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And in verse 36, and I want you to notice the humility, the lowliness of this healed man. In verse 36, he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Who is the Son of Man? so that I may believe. And in verse 37, Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. What a thought. You have seen him. And now that was true. His physical eyes were open. You're looking at him. You're looking at the Son of Man. And it is the Son of Man who is speaking right to you. If you've been with us in the Gospel of John, you may be reminded of a very similar event earlier in the Gospel of John. It happened with the woman at the well. When Jesus goes to the woman at the well and interacts with her in John chapter 4 and verses 25 and 26, it says the woman said to him, to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, 
I who speak to you am he. Woman, the Messiah is speaking to you. I am the Messiah. And if you remember in John chapter 4, she believes. And her spiritual eyes are open. Now watch the beauty, the absolute beauty of verse 38. The man who had been healed, he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Folks, you talk about a salvation prayer. This is a salvation prayer. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You're the son of man. Ah, he calls him Lord. And he says, I believe. And he worships him. Now, I've shared something in some of our funeral services. So a few of you may have heard this before. But I think it's worth sharing here again. The word believe in the Greek language or the word used for believe in the Greek language is far more stronger than when it is translated in the English language. When the word is translated believe in the English language, it is much less strong. It is, in a sense, almost watered down. When we say, I believe something in the English language, we usually mean it's some kind of intellectual acknowledgement, like I believe that the carpet is blue, I believe that the walls are white, and we just acknowledge that that's true. But in the Greek language, it is far, far stronger than that. When you say you believe something, it means you believe something so strongly. It believes that you are so committed to some truth that you are willing to give your life to it. You want to give your whole life to it. For example, when a young man or a young woman enlists in the United States military, whatever branch it may be, they enlist because they believe so strongly in the liberties and freedoms of our nation that they want to go and, if necessary, fight for those liberties and freedoms and, if necessary, even die for those liberties and freedom. They believe in what our country stands for so strongly they would be willing to give their life for it. That's what it means in the Greek. When he says, I believe, or Lord, I believe, he is giving his life to Jesus. Lord, I believe. And immediately his first action is to worship him. That is so beautiful. You are so worthy of all the adoration and praise and exaltation I could give you. This man has changed. But if you're a student of the Bible, you would want to see something else here in the larger context. And that is this the absolute stark contrast between this man and the Jewish religious leaders, whether it's the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, or the teachers of the law. Here is this man in absolute innocence and childlike faith. And he just says, I believe, Lord. I believe in you. And he worships him in contrast to the Jewish religious leaders who are constantly combative with Jesus, constantly cynical, skeptical, refusing 
to believe what Jesus said about himself. And so our first point is Jesus returns to the healed man. Our second point is Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. The Pharisees in John chapter 9 are an important example of those who refuse to believe in Christ, of those who choose to remain spiritually blinded. To remain spiritually blind. In verse 39, Jesus says something important. Very important in this context. And I want you to notice that it, obviously, but I just want you to catch on, that it follows what was said in verse 38. The healed man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus makes this great proclamation, verse 39. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Jesus says, for judgment. I came into this world that those who do not see, that those who realize they are spiritually blind, who realize that they are sinful and in need of a Savior, who realize that they cannot save themselves, that their good works, their good life cannot save them, only Jesus can save them. Those who do not see will see. And those who see, those who think they can save themselves, those who are self-righteous, self-reliant, who refuse to believe Jesus' claims about himself, those who say they see, will become blind. I want to share something with you this morning, and I really want you to grasp it. I want all of us to grasp it. Here is the judgment of Jesus. The judgment of Jesus is that Jesus allows every single person to experience the consequences of their own choices. The judgment of Jesus is that he allows every single person to experience the consequences of their own choices. We saw this earlier in the Gospel of John. John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now watch verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is Jesus' judgment, folks. This is his judgment. The light has come into the world and people choose darkness rather than light. In verse 40, Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Are you saying that we are blind? 
the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Israel, the keepers of the law of Moses, whose father is Abraham, those who oversee the temple, those who oversee the synagogue, are you saying that we're blind? Do you remember last week the question I asked you? Who's the real blind man in John chapter 9? Who is the real blind man in John chapter 9? It's the Pharisees, isn't it? It's the Pharisees. In verse 41, Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. If you were blind, if you would acknowledge your spiritual blindness, if you would acknowledge your sin and your need for a Savior, if you would accept and receive everything that I have claimed and told you about myself, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, now that you think you can save yourself by keeping the law of Moses because of your own self-righteousness, because of your own self-reliance, your guilt remains. This is the judgment of Jesus that he allows every single person, every one of us to experience the consequences of our own choices. Some to eternal life, forgiveness, and some to eternal damnation, experiencing what they have chosen in their own rejection. There's an important question here in this passage for all of us, for all of us. And that question is this. It's almost as if the text begs this question for us. Has Jesus opened your spiritually blind eyes? I ask that to all of us this morning. Has Jesus opened your spiritually blind eyes? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior who is to come into the world that the prophets foretold? Have you ever said, have you ever said, Lord, I believe, and you worshiped him? Have you ever said, Lord Jesus, I believe in you so strongly I give my whole life to you. I entrust my entire life to you. And you began to worship him. Let me put it another way. Have you ever come to a point where by prayer you invited Jesus Christ to come into your life? As you look back, have you ever come to a point where by prayer you invited Jesus Christ to come into your life. If you've never done that or not sure you've done that, we invite you to do that even right now where you sit. If you're watching us by live stream this morning right in your own home, 
in your living room or wherever you're watching this, you can bow your head and invite Jesus to come into your life. You say, what do I pray? Pray what this man prayed. Lord, I believe. I believe you died and rose again for my salvation. Come into my life and save me. In just a moment, we're going to close with the song, Is He Worthy? And it asks us, is Jesus worthy of our worship? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? And the man in chapter 9 says, he is. He is. Can you say the same thing this morning? Let's pray together. Father, Thank you for opening our spiritually blind eyes. Thank you that by grace through faith we have believed in the Son of Man and we worship him with gladness and great joy. Oh, Lord, I pray for everyone here. Help all who are here to believe just like the man in John chapter 9. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.